Thanks for listening to the Rock Hill Podcast. At Rock Hill, we're all about reaching people with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. Listen in as Pastor Matt Chappell teaches how God's Word applies to our everyday lives. Chronicles chapter number 20, and this morning we are going to begin a brand new series of messages for the next two weeks, kind of a mini-series that we're going to entitle, Thanks in Advance. Thanks in Advance, and we're going to be talking about how to develop a heart of gratitude, and uh, the Bible says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. It is the will of God that we would be people of gratitude and people of thanksgiving. And uh, so we are to give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about how we can live that out and uh, how we can be people with a heart of gratitude. And uh, so I'm looking forward uh, to that. And uh, today, the title of my message is Blessings in Disguise. Uh, blessings in disguise, and we're going to be in Second Chronicles chapter number 20 and uh, looking at kind of a, a unique passage of Scripture but I believe it can be a blessing for us this morning. And uh, we'll start reading in verse number 20 of Second Chronicles chapter number 20. If you're ready for the message from the Word of God today, would you say amen? amen? Verse number 20, the Bible says this, And they rose early in the morning, and they went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe. Everybody say believe. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe in his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, and he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army, and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon and Moab and in Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood against uh, the inhabitants of Mount Seir and utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked. Everybody say looked. They looked unto the multitude and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches uh, with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. And uh, I almost, I was tempted to title my message this morning, So Much. So Much. And uh, we'll stop right there uh, this morning and uh, have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for this day you've given us. And God, thank you for your goodness. And God, I pray that for the next few minutes this morning, we will be able to have a holy attention and focus on your word today. And God, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit to give me the right words to say that could be helpful for us today. And as we approach Thanksgiving, God, I pray that we would develop deep within us a spirit of gratitude that doesn't just spring up around Thanksgiving, but God, that's continually in us all the time for what you have done for us. God, that we would be people of gratitude and people of Thanksgiving. And uh, we love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. How many of you have ever received... An unexpected blessing. Can I see your hands? An unexpected blessing. Something that just came out of nowhere, completely surprised you. Uh, I remember when I found out that Katie was pregnant with our third child. 
that was an unexpected blessing for us, to say uh, the least. We were very excited about that. Uh, several years ago, Katie and I were out celebrating an anniversary dinner, and uh, I took Katie to a very expensive and very nice restaurant, and, uh, and uh, I figured, you know, we're going to splurge uh, this one time, and we're going to go and have this nice uh, meal, and Katie was kind of thinking the whole time, like, man, this is awesome, this is great, thank you, and the whole time I'm thinking, man, I need to transfer money from my savings account or something, I don't know how I'm going to pay for all this, and uh, we went in there, and it was the type of restaurant that you don't even look at the food on the menu, you just look at the prices. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When you don't even look at the food, you just look at the prices. How much does everything cost? And uh, so we were getting ready to eat. And we were having a great time. Things were going great. And uh, I did what I often do at restaurants. I fill up on the bread. And I filled up on the bread that day. And uh, how many of you like to eat bread at restaurants? Okay, some of you. And uh, I don't even order at Olive Garden. Just give me the breadsticks. <laughs> That's all I need. And uh, so I filled up on the bread. And by the time our main entree came out, it was a steak. And it was delicious. And it was awesome. But because I was so full from the bread, I did not eat uh, all of my steak, and uh, even though it was, it was delicious, and, I, and uh, the waiter came and took our meals away, and then the manager came out a few minutes later, and the manager came to our table, and he said, I noticed that you did not eat all of your steak, and we want to make sure that you have a great anniversary and a, and a memorable experience, and so uh, dinner is on us. And I tried to explain to him, I said, no, it was really good. I just got filled up, I filled up on the bread. And he said, don't even worry about it. It's on us. And I was thinking, praise the Lord. You know, this is great. And uh, I, I turned into the best mood. I'm like, Katie, where do you want to go for dessert? Like anything you want. Let's go. I got in a great mood. And what I thought was going to be a financial burden turned out to actually be a great blessing. And what I've learned about the blessings of God is the blessings of God often come from unexpected places. And the blessings of God often come from inconvenient seasons. And if we're going to be people that develop deep within us a heart of gratitude, then we're going to have to learn to give thanks for uh, the battles in life because what looks like a battle just might be a blessing in disguise. And often what we think and perceive to be a battle, God will present as a blessing. And so we've got to be people that say, you know what, even though this doesn't make sense to me right now, I'm going to trust God and have faith that this can turn out for the better. The Bible says this in Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do, whatever you do, in whatever occupation you have, whatever you're doing, whatever hobby you have, in whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God. Everybody say thanks. Giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And so whatever you do, in whatever season you're in, we ought to develop a spirit of thanksgiving and a spirit of gratitude. Uh, G.K. Chesterton, he said this, when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude whether we take things for granted or take them with gratitude. And we come to an interesting passage of Scripture in, in 2 Chronicles chapter number 20. And at this time in history, the nation of Israel was divided, the north and the south. And uh, I believe we have a map this morning uh, of the divided uh, nation of Israel. And Judah was uh, there in the south. And, 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 uh, and uh, the king of Judah was a man by the name of Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat was a good king. He was a good godly king. The Bible tells us that he did right in the sight of the Lord. And when it came to the big monumental things in life, Jehoshaphat always responded uh, the way that God wanted him to respond. He went and he prayed and he took down the idols and he did what he was supposed to do. But where Jehoshaphat struggled is where I believe that some of us uh, can struggle from time to time. And that is when it came to the minor things in life, he often did things his own way. And so when it came to the major, Jehoshaphat trusted God. When it came to the minor, Jehoshaphat trusted in himself. And the Bible says and describes it this way in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 32 through 33. It says this, And he walked in the way of Asa his father, 
and departed not from it, doing that which was right in the sight of the Lord. How be it? Except, although, how be it, uh, the high places were not taken away, for as yet the people had not prepared their hearts unto God uh, of their fathers. And so when it came to the big monumental things of life, Joshua said, God, I'm willing to trust you. But when it came to the day-to-day and the small things, Joshua said, I'm going to go ahead and trust myself. And so often we can trust God for the big things. We can trust God for salvation. And we can trust God for eternity. But when it comes to our everyday circumstances, we think we've got this. And, and so Joshua was great at trusting God in the big, but failed often at trusting God in in the small things. And in this chapter, Joshua, he was presented with a big problem, a major problem. Uh, Three countries had uh, kind of collaborated together, and they invaded the country of Judah. And uh, the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir, they all kind of gathered together, and they say, let's attack and invade uh, Judah. And so Jehoshaphat did uh, what he should have done. He went and he prayed, and he got word from the Lord, and he was responding to this this battle that he was presented with in in the right way, and he was praying and seeking God uh, for what he should do. And Jehoshaphat and the nation of Judah, they respond in a very interesting way, a very unique way. The enemy is coming. The Ammonites, the Moabites, the inhabitants of Mount Seir, they are on their way. They're coming. But instead of getting ready for war, Jehoshaphat tells the people to get ready for worship. Instead of sharpening their swords and developing their military strategies, they're tuning their instruments and warming up their vocal cords. He says, hey, I want you to get ready because we're going to go and we're going to worship. And This is so foundational and so important. I want you to see this because it's a foundational truth for our series that we're going to be in the next couple weeks. They hadn't even started the battle yet. They hadn't had a victory. They hadn't had a triumph. There was no blessings to be seen. But Jehoshaphat and the nation of Judah, they gathered together and said, you know what? We're going to worship God anyways. We're going to praise him and thank him in advance. And I believe that that is where real spiritual maturity comes when we can say, you know what, God? I don't know the outcome, but based on your character, the fact that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, I'm going to go ahead and praise you and thank you and worship you in advance. See, there are different levels of gratitude and thanksgiving. And one is after-the-fact thanksgiving. And that is when someone blesses you or someone is kind to you and you uh, express gratitude and you say thank you. That's after-the-fact thanksgiving. And we should all uh, do that. That's a good, healthy practice. And then there is in-the-midst thanksgiving. And in-the-midst thanksgiving is when we are in the midst of a difficulty, in the midst of a trial, in the midst of heartache. And even in that situation, we are able to offer gratitude and thanksgiving to God. And that takes real spiritual maturity as well. But there's another level, and a lot of times it takes years of experience and really a close relationship to God to come to this level. But the third level is anticipation of the fact gratitude. When we can say, God, I don't even know the outcome yet, but I'm going to give you thanks. I don't even know what the test results are going to say, but I'm going to give you thanks in advance. I don't even know if I'm going to get the job, but God, I'm going to thank you in advance. I don't know if I'm going to get the promotion, but God, I'm going to thank you in advance. I don't know how my kids are going to turn out, but God, I'm going to thank you and praise you in advance because you are good and you are great and you are always unchanging and worthy of worship. And so whatever season we're in, whatever we do, we ought to be giving God thanks and praise even in advance. And so for the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about uh, this idea of giving God thanks in anticipation, anticipation of the fact uh, that God is good and that God is great. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Everybody say continually. 
And so that means all the time that we are giving gratitude back to the Lord. And so as we look to this passage of Scripture this morning and kind of uh, unpack these verses, what I'd like to do is I'd like to uh, give us four statements that I believe can help instill in us a heart of gratitude. And so if you're taking notes this morning, four statements. Number one, your faith is only as strong as your follow-through. Your faith is only as strong as your follow-through. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 20. And they rose early in the morning, and they went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. And so in verse number 20, it's the day of the battle, and Jehoshaphat was a good leader, and he gathered the people together, and he said, hey, I want you to do something. I want you to keep on believing and keep on trusting in your God. And it's interesting because that is not the first time that uh, uh, the nation of Judah had heard that. And that was not the first time that Jehoshaphat said that, to believe God. But here he was reminding them to have faith and to follow through on their faith. And uh, Daniel, can you hear me that basketball this morning? I want to uh, illustrate this this way. Thank you. And I knew Daniel would have a basketball with him, so I asked him this morning if he had one. He did. He had one in his car. True baller. <laughs> in basketball, in your shot, uh, it's important to have a follow-through. And uh, when, when you uh, learn to play basketball and you learn to shoot, they will uh, kind of teach you that uh, you should have the right foundation, the right footwork, and, you know, your eye on the target, and you should have a right follow-through. In fact, a lot of people will teach uh, there's an acrostic beef. And uh, B means your back should be straight, I, your eye on the target, E, the other E, elbow in, and then F is all about your follow-through. And your follow-through in basketball is extremely important. When you shoot, you like that follow-through? Thank you. When you shoot, your wrist should be relaxed, pointed at the target, and you should just hold it there for a second. And uh, that's your follow-through. And a lot of times what happens is when you go to shoot, you might have the right foundation, the right footwork, but you might be rusting your shot and you don't have a follow-through, and so your shot will be off. And what I've discovered is when it comes to a life of faith is a lot of times we have the right foundation to our faith, but where we fail is the follow-through. And a lot of times we are great at starting our faith, but where we struggle is sustaining our faith. And so Jehoshaphat stands before the people and he says, hey, you need to believe the Lord your God for victory. Believe that he can triumph. Believe that he can see you through. But it wasn't the first time they heard it. He's encouraging them to follow through. In fact, notice what it says in verse number 17 in, in 2 Chronicles chapter number 20. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Verse 17, you shall not need to fight in this battle. Now, verse number 17, it's important to know that this is the day before the battle. Okay? It's the day before the battle. He says, ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And so in verse number 17, they said, hey, keep on trusting, keep on believing. Tomorrow, victory is going to be yours. God's going to give you the victory. And uh, just believe, just have faith. But then in verse number 20, it's the day of the battle. And in verse number 20, Jehoshaphat stands before them again. He says, hey, at the end of verse number 20, believe ye in the Lord. Believe the Lord your God. And so he says to them again, keep on believing. Follow through on your faith. Why does he reiterate that? Why does he say that twice? Because it's one thing to have faith when your problems are still a few miles away. It's another thing to have faith when the enemy is on your doorstep. And so Jehoshaphat says, hey, it's great that, that you had starting faith, but let's follow through on that faith. Let's keep on believing, even though it's hard, and even though the enemy is right in front of us right now, and even though it's a little bit scary, let's follow through on our faith. See, what happens a lot of times in life is that we will step out by faith, and we will make a commitment, and we will uh, step out and start in our faith, but then things don't go how we thought they would go. 
And then there's a few more problems than we anticipated. And so then what we do in our mind is we start to develop exit strategies. How can I go back on this commitment? How, how can I maybe change this just a little bit and see what we need to do is say, you know what, I'm going to have the right foundation to my faith, but then I'm going to follow through with my faith and do what God wants me to do. I'm, I'm curious this morning. I wonder what area of your life does God want you to follow through on? I wonder what area in your life does God want you to have the faith to follow through, to keep on believing, to keep on trusting in the Lord. The Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 26, verse number 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed. Everybody say stayed. Stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. 2 Corinthians 4 says this, For which cause we faint not. We're not going to faint. We're going to keep on going. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so what he's saying is, hey, even, even when there's a difficulty that you can see that's right in front of you, ask God to give you an eternal perspective. Ask God to give you an eternal perspective and focus on the things that are really going to matter in eternity and faint not. Stay put, keep on having faith. Notice the end of verse number 20. End of verse number 20, it says this, Believe in the Lord your God. Follow through in your faith. So shall you be established. Everybody say established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And so I love this because Jehoshaphat says, hey, if we follow through on our faith, there's going to be some results from that. There's going to be some good byproducts from that. If we have the kind of faith that follows through and develop faithfulness, then we're going to experience two things, he says in the verse. We're going to experience stability and we're going to experience success. That's what he says. He says, you'll be established and you will prosper. If you have the kind of faith that follows through, you will have stability and you will have success. You will have spiritual success. And a lot of times in our lives, we lack stability. And uh, one minute we're over here, one minute we're over here, and one minute we're great and we believe and we're trusting God. The next minute we're doubting everything. And a lot of times we lack stability. And uh, the Bible says this in Psalms 37, verse 23 through 24, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, established by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. And I love that picture, that, that the Lord will uphold us with his hand, that he will hold us with his hand. And so even when we trip up, and even when we fall, guess who's there to hold us and keep us up? And, and, and so he says, I will give you that stability that you long for. And our son right now, Luke, he is two years old, and he's in the stage of life where uh, he uh, constantly wants to just take off running, no matter, no matter where he is. And we'll be in a parking lot, and he'll just take off running, and he'll run straight to the street. And so uh, we're trying to train him right now to, Luke, stay by us and, and uh, hold our hand. And I'm, I'm real stern with him. Hold my hand, Luke. And he does not like holding someone else's hand. Uh, he, he just can't stand it. He fights that. If I try to hold his hand, he'll pull it down. If Katie tries to hold his hand, he'll just kind of fall on the ground. And so uh, the other day, we were walking in the parking lot, and we said, Luke, you need to, you need to hold our hand. And he said, no. And then he said, I'll hold my own hand. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then he went on to do this. We have a video this morning. There he is, holding his own hand. He said, I, he said, I can handle this. I can hold my own hand. And you know, a lot of times in life when we decide that we're going to trust ourselves, we look just as silly. And more importantly, we lack stability. Because the truth is, if Luke just fell right now on the concrete, his own hand is not going to hold him up. But if I'm holding this hand, I'll make sure that he's not going to fall. 
And, and, and so if we want stability in life, as we journey through life, and no doubt there's going to be hard times, and there's going to be difficulties, and we're going to trip up sometimes, and we're going to fall. But if we want that stability that only God can give, then we need to have the kind of faith that follows through and says, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's hard, even when the enemy is right at my doorstep and there's a battle that seems bigger than me, I'm just going to trust God. And in return, God will say, okay, now let me give you the stability that you need. And so we will have stability, but we'll also have success. He says, you're going you're gonna to prosper. And see, true spiritual success only comes by way of the word of God. He says, he says, believe his prophets. The prophets were the ones primarily responsible for delivering the word of God and proclaiming the word of God and proclaiming the truth. We, they did not have a, a, a Bible like we do in, in this sense. They couldn't just turn to Second Chronicles and learn about faith. They had to uh, trust the prophets that God would deliver the word of the Lord to. And so Jehoshaphat says, hey, if you believe the prophets, you will prosper. Joshua 1.8 says this, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And so your success, your spiritual success in life is not based on a skill set. It's not based on a work ethic. It's based on the unchanging, infallible, very words of God. And so God's word will give us stability and it will give us success. Your faith is only as strong as your follow through. If you're with me this morning, would you say amen? amen. Number two, your worship is your weapon. Your worship is your weapon. Notice verse number 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers. Notice it doesn't say he appointed soldiers. He appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of his holiness. And as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And I love what they do uh, here in this moment. They don't know the outcome, the battle. The enemy is on their doorstep. The battle is in front of them. And Jehoshaphat says, hey, uh, let's go out and we're going to sing and we're going to use worship as our weapon. And they do two things here. And uh, the first element that I see under this is their praise. And uh, the word praise in verse number 21 is the Hebrew word yada. And uh, we've talked about this word in the past. The word yada means to lift hands and surrender. And it also carries the idea to uh, uh, give thanks. And so what they're doing here is they're actually expressing gratitude before the battle. They're expressing their thanksgiving before the outcome is determined. They are praising and giving thanks uh, to the Lord. And I want to tell you this morning that when your back is against the wall, and when you are going through a difficult season, and when you're going through a hard time, and you're carrying some burdens, that is not the time to run. That is the time to worship. See, when you come to church, and you do not feel like singing, and you're having a bad day, that's the time when you need to worship and sing the loudest. Worship should be your weapon. Get thee behind me, Satan, not today. I'm going to praise the name of Jesus. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 16, verses 24 through 26. Who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison. This is uh, speaking of Paul and Silas here. And they made their feet fast in stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and they sang praises unto God. And so this is a picture of in the midst Thanksgiving. They are in the midst of a difficulty. They are in the middle of a prison. They are in the middle of their pain. They had just been beaten. They had just been uh, uh, whipped. And here they are in the middle of their pain. Yet they are singing praises to God there at midnight. And one of the surest ways that we can overcome our affliction is to learn the art of praising in the midst of our pain. The Bible says this in Job chapter 35, verse number 10, but none saith, where is God my maker? Watch this, who giveth songs in the night. Only God can give you a song in the night. 
Only God can take your sorrow and transform it into a song. See, when you are experiencing a difficulty and when you are going through a trial and you don't even know where, what direction to go and you feel overwhelmed and you feel burdened, that is when God can come in and say, here's a song. And you can use your worship as a weapon and you can say, you know what? Even though this is happening to me and even though this is difficult and hard and I can't handle it, I'm still going to praise the name of Jesus. He can give you a song in the night. And a lot of times we don't feel like singing, we don't feel like worshiping, we don't feel like coming to church. And that is so often when we need it the most and we need to worship and use worship as our weapon. The Bible says this in Psalm 100 verses 1 through 5, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Everybody say thanksgiving. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. J.I. Packer said this, we need to discover all over again that worship is natural to the Christian. As it was to the godly Israelites who wrote the Psalms and the habit of celebrating the greatness and graciousness of God yields an endless flow of thankfulness, joy, and zeal. And so they use worship as their weapon. They, they, they set the singers forth and they begin to praise. And so we see their praise, but I want you to see also their perspective. Because in verse number 21, it says this, Praise the Lord, Yadah, give thanks, for his mercy endureth forever. His mercy, the Hebrew word for mercy is hased. And it speaks primarily of three qualities and characteristics of the greatness of God. It speaks of his goodness. It speaks of his faithfulness. And it speaks of his kindness. And so when they are praising the name of Jesus and when they are thanking him for his mercy, they're thanking him for his goodness, his kindness, and his faithfulness. And see, their perspective was not on the problem. Their perspective was not on the battle that was in front of them. Their perspective was on the greatness of God. And see, often in life, what we fixate on becomes our focus. And a lot of times we will fixate and focus on the problem at hand instead of worshiping the God of the problem, the God who is bigger than our problems, the God who is completely in control. And so I think it's also worth, worth noting that they, they express their gratitude. They vocalize their thanksgiving. Uh, it's important to, to know when it comes to our gratitude, when it comes to our thanksgiving, it should not simply be an internal emotion. It's, it should be an outward expression. There is a difference between feeling thankful and giving thanks. There is a difference between feeling thankful and expressing thanks because a lot of times we feel thankful for things, don't we? We're thankful for all sorts of things, but when was the last time that you really focused on expressing and vocalizing your thanksgiving and making sure that you are communicating thanksgiving? We read a verse at the beginning, Hebrews 13, verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. The fruit of our lips. What does that mean? It means we should be speaking thanksgiving. We should be vocalizing thanksgiving. And so don't just be content with feeling thankful for certain things. Make sure you go to that person. Go, go, go to someone that you're thankful for and express that kind of gratitude. I think one of the greatest examples of this is Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 6, verse number 3. It says this, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and the princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And if anybody had the right to complain and to have a bad attitude and to uh, be negative about their situation, it was Daniel. I mean, taken away from his home in captivity, forced to be indoctrinated with the Babylonian culture. And here he is expressing a positive spirit, an excellent spirit. 
And it says that he was preferred because of that excellent spirit. See, the reason he got the promotion was because he had the right perspective. And a lot of times we want the promotion, we want preferential treatment, but are we willing to have the right perspective? Because the perspective always precedes the promotion. We've got to have the right perspective. We've got to have the right mindset in an excellent spirit, just like Daniel. Daniel 6.10 says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, the writing that said that he could no longer pray to his God, he went into his house and his widow's windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. So here's Daniel away from his home, away from his friends and family, and yet he found reason to give thanks back to God. He had a unique perspective. And I'm praying that God will develop our church into a people that vocalize their thanksgiving. That, that thank uh, your small group leaders and thank the leadership in the church and thank family members and thank your Starbucks barista and thank the people that are in your life. Thankfulness is quickly becoming a lost art in our generation and we've got to be people of gratitude that are constantly expressing the goodness of God and communicating thanks to the people around us. Notice verse number 22. If you're with me, say amen. Verse 22, and when they began to sing and praise, so as soon as they started to sing and to praise and to worship, when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, and when they were coming against Judah, and they were smitten. And so, and so as soon as they started to worship, God started to work. And don't you just love that? As soon as they started to worship and as soon as they adjusted their perspective, God went to work. And God started, started to fight uh, their battle for them, which brings us to number three this morning. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. And I want to encourage some of you today that are fighting your own battles and that are carrying your own weight, and you're trying to figure everything out on your own power and of your own strength. And I want to tell you that the battle belongs to the Lord. This was a truth that was communicated in this chapter back in verse number 15 by the prophet Jehaziel. In verse 15, he said, Hearken ye unto Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by the reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. The battle is not yours but God's. And that is encouraging news this morning. And then verse number 23, we see the result of that. We see the promise come to fruition, verse 23. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay them and to destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Mount Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. And so what, what happens here is God sends commu uh, confusion to these enemy armies and, and uh, the Ammonites and the Moabites, they uh, all of a sudden attacked the inhabitants of Mount Seir. And then once they were destroyed, then the Moabites and the Ammonites, they started to fight one another in their confusion and they completely destroy one another. And so what did Jehoshaphat and what did the nation of Judah have to do to win this battle? Nothing. God completely took care of it. It was entirely of God. And I want to encourage you this morning. The Bible says in Exodus 14, 14, the Lord shall fight for you. The Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. Deuteronomy 20, verse number four, for the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies, to save you. Is anybody thankful this morning that God will fight your battles, that he will go before you to save you, to fight for you in your place? The battle belongs to the Lord. Now, we might not have a physical army against us like Jehoshaphat, 
But the Bible tells us in Ephesians verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so all of us on a daily basis, we enter into a new battlefield. And we are battling our flesh, and we are battling temptation, and we are battling the struggles of life, and, and health, and finances, and family, and marriage, and we have these battles that we face on a daily basis, and the tendency is, when it comes to these daily battles, what we will do is, we will depend in our own strength, on our own strength. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 5 says this, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Our sufficiency is not in how great or how strong we are at, at handling a budget or family or finances. No, it's all about how great God is and the battle belongs to the Lord. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 8, verses, uh, verse 37. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And so I want you to see that this battle was entirely of the Lord, but it was also, and I love this part, it was also completely finished. It was completely finished. Notice what the Bible says in verse 24. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude. And so they, they hear all this commotion, and they were singing, and then they hear all this commotion. They go to the watchtower in the wilderness, and they look out. And they look out unto the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth. And watch this. None escaped. The enemy that was coming to destroy them, that was coming to completely take them out, is now completely destroyed. They, they, were, they were completely taken care of. It was completely finished. There were no subsequent battles. There wasn't like a few remained here and they had to go and they had to fight them later on. No, the war was completely over because we serve a God that is a God of completion. Yeah. A God that finishes what he starts. And I love thinking about this because I, I couldn't help but be reminded of the completed work of salvation. When Jesus was on the cross... He shouted in triumph, it is finished, to telestai. And there the work of redemption was completed. And there the atonement was made. Jesus made the sacrifice for our sins so that we can say our salvation is paid in full. Nothing else needs to be done. No more works need to take place. It is finished. It is completely done. Anybody thankful today for the completed work of salvation that what Jesus did on the cross was once and for all? We serve a God of completion. Salvation is complete. Nothing else needs to be done. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he which began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You got one more point in you? Number four this morning, when we surrender, God will supply. When we surrender, God will supply. Absolutely love the ending of this passage this morning because God pours out his provision over his people. Because God always pours out his provision over his people. And once they surrendered, and once they began to worship and praise, and say, God, by faith, we're going to thank you in advance. And once they started to worship, God brought in his supply. And the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things, Aren't you thankful that God will completely take care of us and give us everything that we need? 
He poured out his supply. And I want you to see quickly, and we'll be done this morning, but I want you to see three areas in which God gave his people his provision here at the conclusion of this text and three areas in which God supplied for his people. The first one is resources. Notice verse 25. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance. Everybody say abundance. In abundance, both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. There were so many jewels and so much spoil that, watch this, it took the army three days to collect it all. That's a lot of spoils. It's a lot of jewels. The Bible tells us in abundance, it was so much. You know what we have to be thankful for this morning? So much. You know what we, we can praise God for this morning? So much. We can thank God because he has blessed us and given us everything that we need in order to live a life of godliness. So much. He gives us resources. He gives us his Holy Spirit that indwells in us at the moment of salvation to guide us, to convict us, to, to instruct us, to comfort us. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. He gives us the Bible, the very words of God, so that we can know the direction in life and develop a relationship with Jesus, the author of the Bible. And uh, he gives us the church that we can have fellowship and communion and community one with another. He's given us so many things in life, so many resources that we ought to praise him for. The Bible says in Psalm 84, verse 11, no good thing will he withhold. No good thing will he withhold from us. So he provides resources. I want you to see also, secondly, he provides rejoicing. Everybody say rejoicing. Notice verse 27. And they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them to go again to Jerusalem with joy. For the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. Verse 28, and they came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets unto the house of the Lord. And so they went back to Jerusalem the same way that they left, praising and thanking the name of Jesus. They praised him before the battle. They praised him after the battle. They, they, had, this, they had this real joy that only God can give. And I, and, I, and I can't help but think about so many Christians that are searching for satisfaction. They're searching for joy, but there's just something missing. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and there's a hole in your heart and you can't put your finger on it, but you're just not quite as happy as you used to be. And there seems to be some joy that was once in your life, but it's not there anymore. And I want to tell you this morning that only God can supply that kind of joy. Only God can give you a spirit of continual rejoicing, no matter the circumstances that you're facing. The Bible says in Romans 15, 13, now the God of hope fill you with all joy. See, the God of hope can fill you with all joy. He can pour it out over your life so that no matter the circumstances that you're facing, you can have an excellent spirit and joy about you. All right, Tori said this, there's more joy in Jesus in 24 hours than there is in the world 365 days. I've tried them both. He can provide you with resources, everything that you need in life to live a life of godliness. He can provide you rejoicing. But then I want you to see that he can also provide rest. Notice what it says in verse number 30. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet for his God gave him rest roundabout. How many of you enjoy your sleep? Can I see your hands? You enjoy your sleep. I enjoy rest. It's a biblical principle to find rest. The principle of the Sabbath. Take vacations. Make sure that you have times and creating margin in your life to where you're not overworked so that you can have that, that period of rest in your life. But you know, the truth is we can find temporary rest in life and vacations and taking time off and different things. 
but only God can give you lasting rest for your soul. That no matter the, the schedule that you're in or the season that you're in, no matter the burdens that you're carrying, that God can give you a peace that passes all understanding and a rest no matter what you are facing. So he provides resources, rejoicing and rest. And I want us to see one last verse this morning and I believe it's so powerful. It's a verse that we skipped over. Verse number 26. Verse number 26. If you can see it, would you say amen? It says this. And on the fourth day, the fourth day after the battle, it was the fourth day because it took three days to get all the spoils. The fourth day, they assembled themselves in the valley of Berechah. For there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of the same place was called the Valley of Bereka unto this day. The Valley of Bereka. What in the world does Bereka mean? The very word Bereka in the Hebrew means blessing. And so the whole time, what looked like a battle... God said, just wait and see. It's going to turn out to be a blessing in disguise. And so I want to encourage us this morning, if you are facing a battle, if a battle is headed your direction, go ahead and just worship and go ahead and just thank God in advance and praise God in advance because what looks like a battle just might be a blessing in disguise. Would you go ahead and stand together with me this morning? And we're going to conclude by singing a song and we're going to praise the name of Jesus. And I think this morning, no matter what you're going through, you ought to use your worship as a weapon and go ahead and say, you know what, devil, not today. Get behind me, Satan. I'm going to praise the name of Jesus. And so let's let Jesus know how worthy he is. And let's thank him in advance this morning. Thanks again for listening today. If this message was an encouragement to you, let us know. You can email us at hello at rockhill.church and keep up with all the latest news at rockhill.church or on Instagram at rockhillchurch.com.